Before we begin, a quick programmatic note. Our 100th episode is just around the corner. And to celebrate, I thought I'd try to get some listener engagement by having a Q&A on our centennial episode. I'll answer your questions, be they about myself, science, Star Trek, or anything else. So if you'd like to contribute a question, you can do that in one of two ways. Tweet at me at MikeWai, that's M-I-Q-U-A-I, or email me at M-I-Q-U-A-I at uw.edu. It's you, the listeners, who propel me to continue making episodes of Strange New Worlds. And I can't wait to hear from you. Welcome back to Strange New Worlds. I'm your host, Mike Wall. As COVID-19 restrictions loosen up, it's important that we all keep our guards up for our safety and for the safety of others. Listen to healthcare authorities, wear your masks, wash your hands, stay away from large social gatherings if you can help it, and keep taking care of those who are in need of extra assistance. As of this recording, unfortunately, the virus has not left our communities, and we are still, as we have always been, in this together. Last month, I was craving a little more togetherness, so I drove down the coast to California to spend a little time with family, still socially distancing myself from the rest of the world, but now in the confines of my childhood home where my parents still live. The main motivation for my visit was to see my little brother before he heads off to medical school, a momentous occasion to be sure, and an extraordinarily proud one, especially given the current situation. There goes my brother, off to learn how to save lives. If you haven't done so already, I encourage you to check out episodes 36 and 94 to hear him talk about the intersection of nutrition, medicine, and Star Trek. While I was down in California, I had the opportunity to conduct my first in-person interview in months. Today, we're going to speak to my dad, Ray Wong. He's the person who introduced me to Star Trek, and I sat down with him on a warm summer's day in the very room where photons from a television first delivered Star Trek to my eyes. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Dad was trained as an electrical engineer with degrees from Columbia and the University of California, Berkeley, and spent most of his career working in Silicon Valley. But outside of work, he's nurtured a passion for martial arts, including numerous forms of kung fu and tai chi. Now, being my dad, Ray almost has a cosmic obligation to embarrass me, whether he intends to or not. For instance, when Ray was a guest in my sixth grade history class, teaching us Tai Chi as a bonus part of our unit on ancient China, he used me 
as his opponent in all of his demonstrations of how the movements in Tai Chi, though seemingly slow and soothing, could actually inflict deadly pain. For years after that, my dad was known amongst my friends as the Tai Chi guy. Today, he and I are going to explore the parallels between the Klingon martial art Mokbara, shown on numerous occasions in Star Trek The Next Generation, and the earthly martial art Tai Chi. So, everybody knows that I'm a big Star Trek fan. Yes. <laughs> Some people know that you're the person who introduced me to Star Trek. Uh-huh. And so I was wondering <laughs> if you could share your first encounter with Star Trek. Oh, uh, must have been with the original series reruns. And they would always happen around 7 o'clock in the early 1970s and when they came on um, I would ask my mom if I could have dinner in the living room and so I would go and get my dinner and sit in front of the TV to watch the, the reruns. Really? Yeah. As a kid? As a kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. do you think was appealing about Star Trek to you as a kid? Well I, I guess I liked the battles uh, between uh, the Federation and uh, the Klingons and the Romulans. And, uh, you know, all the space battles were, were exciting to me. That's the most exciting part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, this, you know, the stories are kind of nice, you know, fantasy, science fiction, you know, things that take you out of the real world a little bit. Yeah. And then you kept on watching Star Trek through the years. And I remember I watched my first episode of Star Trek with you in this very room on the TV here. Uh, actually, um, I, I must have watched every episode of the original series multiple times because there weren't many, right? I don't know, three seasons worth. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw them all multiple times. And so I remember when The Next Generation first appeared, I think uh, in the 80s, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, mid late 80s, and I turned it on and said, this isn't Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I watched some, but I didn't, I didn't follow it like I did the original series. But uh, when you were, I don't know, four or five, you know, we had to entertain you, right? Uh, so at that time, Target had um, Star Trek toys, uh, those little uh, models. Yeah. And so uh, I went and bought those for you as things to play with. And we watched the reruns of, I think, Next Gen was the first thing that we watched, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so slowly I got back into it. But uh, each series was sort of um, not quite what I remember, right? Not, not quite the Star Trek I remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember those toys. I still have a box of them in uh-huh. my room, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> which I found while I was cleaning up. And yeah. you made your own movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As a kid, right? Yeah, our little own Star Trek yeah. episodes. Right. Your camcorder and yeah. my little starships. Right, yeah. right. I think one was called uh, The Big Explosion. <laughs> <laughs> so sophisticated. Right. It was about uh, a Borg cube blowing up, uh, you know. Oh, no, no. The Borg cube being blown up by uh, by the Enterprise. Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So we are here to talk about 
Tai Chi mm-hmm. and Star Trek. Yeah. So in the next generation, mm-hmm. it's established that Worf practices a Klingon martial art uh-huh. called Mokbara, uh-huh. and it looks a lot like Tai Chi. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's because one of the visual effects artists on Star Trek The Next Generation, Dan Curry, was a avid Tai Chi mm-hmm. and martial arts enthusiast, mm-hmm. and so was able to consult on some of the movements mm-hmm. for Worf. You also are a very avid Tai Chi and mm-hmm. Kung Fu mm-hmm. enthusiast. Can you tell me about how you got into that? How long you've been practicing it for? Okay, so um, I've probably been practicing martial arts for about, not quite 40 years, but about that. And my original um, form that I learned was Yang style Tai Chi. And I was so fascinated uh, with that. Being an internal style, I decided to do the external styles. So I started with Shaolin and uh, moved on to Hungar and Bakwa and Singyi and returned to Tai Chi, Yang style Tai Chi and also Sun style Tai Chi. So um, I've been practicing for about 40 years, teaching for 30 years and uh, teaching Tai Chi for about 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's been a great journey. It's been a, a passion. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, and hopefully I've been able to uh, impact uh, the lives of other people, young and, 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 and older. So, uh, you know, when I first taught, it was to uh, 20-year-olds. I, I taught your class at, in middle school yeah, uh, a little bit. Yeah, in sixth grade. <laughs> we were studying China in our history class. Um, and so our social studies teacher found out that you are an expert in uh, Chinese forms of martial arts and as part of our curriculum had you come into class and actually teach Mm -hmm. us Tai Chi. And you guys did really well. (laughs) (laughs) So I I think I taught you for about a couple months um, and you you guys picked it up really well and uh, I think your class went on to teach all the other sixth grade classes Tai Chi and uh, you wrote I think essays on Tai Chi and uh, the teacher um, Kelly, Miss Kelly, uh, gave me a copy of all your papers, and I still have them today. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and she, she actually gave me a little uh, plaque as well, and so I, I have that. Yeah. So now I, I'm teaching. Uh, I've been teaching at the Y, um, YMCA, but now I'm teaching at a uh, a local homeowners association here um, in Palo Alto. Uh, so it's been it's been very rewarding. I remember you telling me that my grandma, your mother, once said to you, why are you learning all these martial arts? You're not going to war. So (laughs) what do you think practicing martial arts, what what is the benefit of that Uh for normal people, ordinary people who have no intention of ever fighting anybody? Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's a sport. You learn a lot of life lessons, like sports teaches you life lessons, and doing a martial art teaches you life lessons. Uh, discipline, how to train, how to learn, you know, uh, how to uh, perfect something. And even after you've reached a certain level, how to continue to learn, to return to uh, being fascinating and enthused by an art that you've been working on for decades to maintain that uh, enthusiasm. Uh, so it has all that. But for me, it's so ingrained in my uh my daily routine, my, my way of life, it's, it's basically a way for, for me. Uh, it's part of who I am. Uh, right. And it's very different than uh, the culture that we're, we're immersed in here, uh, where everything is like 
hundred character tweets or you know ten minute uh, clips. Uh, it requires a lot of time. You know, it's a it's a martial art. It's a kung fu, and kung fu in the Chinese and Cantonese means、uh, skill acquired over time through hard work. That's what that means. Yes. So it has nothing to do with. Fighting or even physical abilities, yeah, just so, skill and hard work. Skill and hard work、huh. uh, over time, over a long period of time. So, cooking could be a kung fu, playing a musical instrument,、uh, any art, any skill.、Um, so it's 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 an art, right? So、uh, there are principles, but、uh, there's also personal interpretation, which is an、uh, important part. Expressiveness is is an important part. So two people could do the same. Form or same style and look different, and that's okay because they're expressing themselves as long as they adhere to the basic fundamental principles of that of that art. So I just learned what kung fu means. What does tai chi mean? <laughs>、uh, tai chi. Okay, so th- there's、uh, some confusion. Literally, tai chi means tai means great. And chi means even greater, <laughs> so great even greater. <laughs> so a lot of people think it means having to do with chi, which is internal energy. It sounds the same, and chi is part of tai chi, but it doesn't actually mean that.、Hmm. So、um, it doesn't refer to the energy. But although tai chi itself, understanding the energy and and expressing the energy is a very important part of the practice. But basically, tai chi means. That、um, it is the ultimate, the highest、uh, martial art that you could achieve. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So a lot of people think that、um, Tai Chi is just a、um, practice, physical exercise, meditative practice. But the roots of martial arts, and if、um, you truly understand it, it's the highest level that you can you can perform. So this leads perfectly into my next question, which is. Obviously, Tai Chi is a martial art, as we've been talking about. But when I think about a Tai Chi、mm-hmm. experience, or when probably most anybody thinks about Tai Chi,、mm-hmm. what they envision is something like an exercise class.、Mm-hmm. A bunch of people in the park on a、mm-hmm. Sunday morning or、mm-hmm. Saturday morning doing these slow arcing movements.、Mm-hmm. So, how, first of all, how is that a martial art? And、mm-hmm. second of all, how did it develop? What, what are Tai Chi's roots? Oh, okay. So it all depends on what you believe. The legend is that about 1,200 years ago,、uh, there was a Taoist monk called Chang San Fang, who lived、uh, on Wudang Mountain in China. And、uh, one day he saw a snake and a crane fighting one another, and、uh, neither one of them won. But they were using all these movements, circular, you know, soft movements to evade one another, and through that, and also the Taoist practices that he had, he developed this art. So an art that、uh, depended more on skill and understanding energy,、um, as opposed to brute force,、uh, muscular force, or power and speed.、Uh, so that's that's the legend. That's how it, it started. So everybody traces、uh, Tai Chi back there because the Chinese like to associate、uh, great things with、uh, famous people, and so they attribute it to, to this、uh, very famous Taoist monk. But I believe that Tai Chi probably started as a, a village martial art.、Hmm. Uh, back in back in the olden days,、um, each village had its own own martial arts because it had to take care of、uh, its inhabitants. Defend itself,、um, and so different villages, different、uh, regionalities,、uh, develop different styles. 
And so uh, people trace Tai Chi back to a village in northern China called the Chen village. So originally, Tai Chi was probably a martial art and combined both fast and powerful movement with soft and uh, internal movements uh, having to do with the energy. The style that is practiced today, the most popular style is called Yang style Tai Chi. That's the one that you see in the park with the big flowing movements that are uh, soft and and flowing. Um, And the story there is um, there was a fellow by the name of Yang Lu Chan. Yang, the last name. And he was interested in the Chen family uh, martial art, uh, but he wasn't part of the Chen family. So he basically, you know, uh, looked over the wall <laughs> between the bushes <laughs> and he tried to learn the movements, right? And uh, eventually they agreed to teach him uh, with the proviso that he marry into the family. And so uh, he married into the family, uh, learned uh, the art. Uh, and became a master. And he became so famous, he was um, known as undefeatable Yang Lu Chan. And it came to the attention of the court, the imperial court, that he was so famous. And they said, can you teach it to us? But he had taken a vow to never teach the Chen family style outside of the Chen family. But of course, he could not say no to the court, right? And so he decided to develop his own style. Yang style. And in so doing, he took away a lot of the hard external stuff that we maybe today associate with Shaolin Mm. or karate or taekwondo, but kept in all the soft, slow parts. And he taught that to the imperial court. Except he left one movement at the very end that is explosive and powerful. And it is this one movement, I think, that he linked back to the original style. And also, how you perform the style really tells you, it's a tell. Are you a martial artist or are you just learning this as an exercise? And today, so if you go into the park, uh, you see most people practicing yang style, the slow movement style. But there are actually uh, five different styles of Tai Chi that are popular, yang being one of them. Other one, Chen, the original style, Wu style, Wu Hao style, and, and the newest one, Sun style. Did I answer your question? <laughs> so, so the roots of martial art, um, but most people today, they don't practice it as a martial art, they practice it as an exercise. But uh, I'm a martial artist, and as a martial artist, you are not taught Tai Chi first. You're taught Tai Chi at the end. Right, so you learn the external styles, you learn how to generate uh, external power, you learn about all the applications. And at the very end, you learn a soft style. So it basically turns your whole way of thinking upside down. So it's a complement to the previous 10 years or more of training. You know, it's basically you've uh, learned how to express yourself martially, externally with power, and now you're learning a complementary set of skills that have to do with uh, internal power and um, understanding every single movement of your body, understanding your energy, understanding your opponent's energy. So with the two, uh, if you were to perform martial arts, it would be slow, but if you were actually use martial arts, uh, it could be fast. You don't lose all your previous training. You use both the internal training and the external training together. 
in a Masha application. It strikes me that according to the legend that you shared, it was a snake and a crane. And when I think of oh, what animals would I want to model my martial art after? There are much more ferocious animals mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. And I guess those are the ones that inspired the more outward, external, physical, faster, mm-hmm. brute force forms. Mm-hmm. And then what you said about how if you were being trained as a martial artist, you actually learn Tai Chi at the very end. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting to me because its nature of being very slow and soothing makes it seem like it's actually the beginning step. Mm. You know, like anybody can do Tai Chi. It's mm. not particularly grueling mm. or anything like that. You know, um, maybe you don't need uh, a lot of, you know, uh, strong muscles to do it. But it's actually like the most enlightened part of mm. this entire training. Um, that's very interesting. Well, uh, that's the appeal of Tai Chi. Right, because the movements are slow and relaxed, because that's what we're training. We're training uh, to be able to move slowly and pay attention to our energy. That uh, people of all ages can do it. It's not strenuous on the body. So back to your other question about Tai Chi being a martial art. If I were to use it as a martial art, I couldn't use it slowly, right? So why do we do Tai Chi slowly? Is an interesting question. The reason why we do Tai Chi slowly, as opposed to Karate or Shaolin, where we're moving quickly, we're training power, we're training speed. So what are we training in Tai Chi? Um, Presence? Presence. Very good, very good. So the reason why we do it slowly is to give ourselves the time to pay attention to every movement. Not uh, a movement, a pose, but every single movement of the body to pay attention to our uh, movement our energy our balance so that's why we do it slowly to give us the time to do it so we're not doing it slowly for the sake of doing it slowly we're doing it slowly so we could be present and be aware of how we're doing it so that we can improve so as we pay attention we say oh i'm off here my balance is off here my energy is broken here why and then we try to correct it the next time we do it. Hmm. Well, let's watch Worf do his Makbara okay. now. And then we will uh, return to the comparison between Tai Chi and the Klingon form. What are you doing? This is the Makbara. The form clears the mind and centers the body. So that was the episode Birthright Part Two. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this episode, Worf says about Makbara the form clears the mind and centers the body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First, you must learn how to breathe. Is breathing an essential part of Tai Chi too? Yes. Um, but I don't have my students focus on the breathing. 
if you do it slowly and you're relaxed, um, I focus on allowing the breath to be natural. And so the breath should synchronize with the movements of the body. Now, um, Tai Chi uh, and Qigong both have to do with um, Qi, which is internal energy. And the breath is uh, very important for um, generating that internal energy. And I'm sure also some of the movements are all about that energy. So Worf starts the form by bringing his hands up and then pressing them down mm-hmm. and then forming sort of what looks like he's holding a ball, a large ball, maybe a beach ball. These are also very common to Tai Chi forms, right? These mm-hmm. these types of motions. What what do they signify? Well, it's clear that what Worf is doing is Yang style Tai Chi. From the very beginning, he starts uh, with the Yang style opening and goes through basically the first, I would say, five movements of the form. For those who know uh, the Yang style, it includes holding the ball, grab bird's tail, single whip. And uh, the whole form is 108 movements and takes about 15 minutes to perform. Uh, but he does it in you know maybe 30 seconds or so. So he ends with two other movements, which is snake on top of rock and box the ears and then returns to hold the ball and, and finish. Uh, so he, he's basically doing movements from the Yang style Tai Chi form. So um, if you looked at Worf, first he did a little warm-up. Uh, and that's rotating the neck. Mm, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, I always tell my students, you have to warm up, right? Because it's an exercise. Right? In order to feel the energy, your body has to be warm. Uh, we do a little bit more than just rotate the neck. Uh, we rotate all the joints of the body. Uh, because in order to get the energy to flow smoothly, you need to be relaxed and you need to have uh, your joints not tight. So uh, starting with the neck, to the shoulder, to the hips, to the knee, to the ankle, to the wrist. So we loosen all that up so the energy can flow smoothly. So starting from that, um, Worf raises his hand and presses it down, both palms down. So what is he doing there? He's gathering the chi, raising the chi, and then setting the chi back down into his palms. Once it's all set, he's ready to go. So at that point, you should feel the energy in the palms. So once he feels the energy in the palms, he moves the energy and forms a chi ball. So uh, we're visualizing holding the ball. Why? Because when you visualize holding the ball, your body is in a structure so that the energy can flow smoothly. When you have a circle, there's no sharp edges, unlike a square. So the energy can flow smoothly. Right? So uh, you hold the ball, that's the correct structure of the body. And from there, he goes on to raising one hand and dropping the other hand. That's part of the uh, grab bird's tail movement. And then he pulls with both hands that's also part of that movement and then he brings both hands together spreads them uh, and there's there's another movement rolling back and pushing and then he pulls across and should do single whip uh, he doesn't quite do it <laughs> he go he goes into uh, i think he goes into snake on top of rock and um, then boxing the ears basically two two punches around the ears that's boxing the ears 
also movements are also on the form. Then he regathers the ball, regathers energy, and then ends the form, letting the energy relax again. So Worf's moves were essentially identical to this Tai Chi form to the extent that you can identify them and name them. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> that's correct. Those movements are, are, are from the form. <laughs> um, so Worf goes on to say that these forms are the basis for Klingon combat. Uh-huh. And Klingons, as we all know, have a warrior culture. Uh-huh. They're very famous for wielding the giant batleth uh-huh. sword in battle. And that sword is very heavy yeah. uh, and it's very cumbersome. Yeah. And if you don't use it correctly, you're probably going to injure yourself yeah. more likely than your opponent. Mm-hmm. So how do you think that practicing Mokbara or Tai Chi will help a Klingon warrior when they're in battle and need to defend their life and their honor using Mm -hmm. a giant sword. So I would assume that they have other training as well. So they train the batlet and other um, forms or exercises where they're training uh, to get the power out and the techniques to use various weapons, whether it's the batlet or or the dagger that I've seen Wolf use uh, as well. So just like I referred to earlier, Tai Chi is part of an entire system of martial arts. And uh, Tai Chi in itself, if you just practice Tai Chi, the, the form softly, it's incomplete. Because you don't know how to generate hard power, external power, which you, you will need in combat. So you have to have some other training as well. So it's a combination of the hard training and the soft training that perhaps makes a complete warrior. What Tai Chi teaches you and trains you is um, to be present, to understand your energy, to understand your centering, to understand your opponent's energy. It also um, trains you one very important thing. So if I were to come up to you and attack you, what would your reaction be? Block. To block, right? So usually there are three different types of reactions. Block, basically to respond with power. Second is to run away. The third is to freeze. Hmm. So, you know, there are some animals that basically just stay still. Hopefully, um, because they're not moving, the aggressor uh, basically ignores them. So Tai Chi teaches you a different way of responding. Basically to delay. So to be calm. Don't get too excited, and then to react to what's really happening, right? So if, if I were to come uh, aggressively at you, maybe I I'm not gonna punch you. So it teaches you how to basically read what's really happening and then respond. If the person responds with energy, I can absorb the energy. I can follow the energy depending upon uh, where the energy is going. So there's a saying that um, in stillness we can see everything. So we don't get overexcited, right? So sometimes when we get overexcited, we uh, react irrationally or impulsively, or we get scared and run away. So it's training your system to react to what's really there, what's really happening. In stillness, we can see everything. That's such an amazing quote. And so on point, too, because in the very scene that we're discussing, in the episode Birthright Part 2, Worf senses a hostile Klingon approach him from behind. And when his assailant grabs Worf's shoulder, Worf 
takes his arm, and without looking just flips him over and pins him to the ground. With complete ease, all in one fluid Mokbara movement. I also like how when I think of trying to use a batleth, it's got a lot of heft to it. So there's a lot of momentum. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And so you very much need to understand the energy and where mm-hmm. it's going and uh-huh. if you're going to use the mm-hmm. weapon effectively. Yes. Right? Uh, it's not something that you're just like stabbing or poking. Mm-hmm. You know, if you take a swing with a batleth, you have to follow through in mm-hmm. a way that you don't leave yourself exposed. And the batleth itself is a very elegant weapon it's very curved and Mm -hmm. that's almost like it itself is holding a little bit of of that curved energy Mm -hmm. in it those just struck me as interesting parallels remember when i taught you how to do the guando yeah it's the same idea right so the guando um so michael for those listeners (laughs) (laughs) when he was uh i don't know uh 12 or 13 i taught him uh, a chinese weapon called the guando it's a very heavy weapon with a big blade on the front. And basically, the training there is not to muscle it, it's to use the momentum of the weapon, right? And follow the momentum of the weapon. Yeah, very similar. Very similar, that's right. Okay, there's another episode that I want to watch. Okay. Um, so this one's called Second Chances. Well, I think I'll call it a day. Bye. Some form of Tai Chi Chuan. Klingon exercises, actually. Lieutenant Worf teaches a class. Forms are very similar. Did that move again? You just did the Komenara. Tai Chi Chuan. It's called the crane block. Now let's try something else. What is that called? <laughs> Dwarf's a very good teacher. Okay, so that was the episode Second Chances from later on in the same TNG season. In this episode, it's verbally acknowledged that Mokbara and Tai Chi look very similar because Riker mistakes... Troy doing, you know, Mokbra, which she learned from Worf's class, as Tai Chi. Uh, and Riker does this thing that he calls a crane block, and we just watched him do that. I was wondering, is that a real move? <laughs> is that a thing? And could you critique Riker and Troy's movements? So uh, basically, um, Troy was doing the same movement uh, that uh, Worf was doing. Basically, Grabber's tail sequence, where uh, she opens with a uh, repulse, and then with a pull. So it's basically the same movement that Worf was doing. And then um, Riker uh, continued and went to what's called uh, the single whip movement. He calls it, uh, what does he call it? <laughs> uh, um, a crane block. Crane, crane block. So single whip basically has a knife edge, which is striking. And the backhand is in the shape of a hook. And you could interpret that as a crane's beak. So perhaps that's why he was uh, calling it the crane block. Um, I don't want to be too critical of uh, Riker uh, because I'm a a big Star Trek fan. (laughs) (laughs) But um, his movement 
um, I could point out uh, just a, a couple of different uh, problems with his movement. The pull across uh, with two hands, he was too tight. The back shoulder was too tense. You need to be relaxed. No part of the body is more tense than the other. It has to be smooth. So he was raising the back shoulder and being too tense. That's a, a common problem. And in the uh, execution of what he called what the crane block, it should be opening up to a big circle. So if you look at uh, Riker's back shoulder, again, is too tight, too tense. So too much tension here. So whenever you have tension, your energy is stuck. So what you want is the energy to flow smoothly to the point where you want to focus it. So if I'm pulling across here, too much tension here, my balance is off. Too much tension in the backhand with the crane block, I can't get the energy out here. So you think of it as water flowing, the water is stuck. Hmm. Or in your previous analogy with the shapes, you're creating a point or you're That's creating right. an angle. Exactly, exactly. So you're creating an angle where things are stuck, hmm. right? So, you know, when you, you, if you watch race car drivers, or if you're on a bike and you're taking a turn, how do you do that? Um, like a, a big uh, curve. A big and curve. Sort of tilted. Right. Yeah. So if you have a sharp angle, what happens? You fall over. You have to stop, right, in order to change direction, right? So at that point, the energy stops. Hmm. So you never want the energy to stop. So in Tai Chi, there's a saying, flow like a great river. Hmm. A river never stops flowing. So the energy never stops flowing. So one of the common problems with Tai Chi uh, that I see is uh, because when we teach it, we have to teach it movement by movement. But when we perform it, we have to link the movements together, right? So there's no stoppage. Just like when you're playing music, right? You have uh, measures, mm -hmm. right? So oftentimes people stop at the measure <laughs> measure bar, right? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to do that, right? You just continue. But in order to teach, you have to stop somewhere. So in the episode that we watched before, the one called Birthright Part 2, mm -hmm. there was something written in the script that ended up getting cut out of the episode, a line of wharfs that says this. This is the Mokbra. A great warrior called Kalos invented the forms when he went to the underworld in search of his father. Kalis showed him the forms, and his father was able to remember his body and return to the world of the living. So obviously this is Klingon mythology, just like the story with the crane and the snake. It probably isn't true, but this is the way that the Klingons think of the origin of the Makbara form, mm. that it was something that their greatest historical warrior, Kalis, went and rescued his father from the underworld and brought him back to the living by teaching him this form. And so there's something very almost healing about this, something mm. spiritual, borderline spiritual, but also uh, a message about getting more in touch with your own body and knowing yourself through mindfulness mm -hmm. and your movements. And mm -hmm. you, you, you spoke about this in the beginning when mm -hmm. you were talking about the, the objective of Tai Chi, um, but I was wondering if you had anything more to say about that aspect of it, to mm. the, the mindfulness mm -hmm. and spiritual or healing mm. part mm. of it. Today, you could practice Tai Chi or really any martial art for a number of different reasons. You know, you could practice it for martial application, trying to understand uh, each movement and how to apply it and uh, things like that. 
you could practice it just as a form of physical exercise, which I would say 99% of the people today practice it as. And as a uh, form of physical exercise is great because it could be done slowly. Um, it doesn't put a lot of impact on the body. Uh, it could be done by um, people of uh, all ages. Although uh, for the very young, it's very hard because um, it requires a lot of patience, and you know, mm-hmm. young young people don't uh, have that patience. They want to do more physical stuff. They want to be more active, right? Yeah. So it takes a certain amount of maturity uh, in order to try to uh, understand and perfect Tai Chi. It could be done as a meditation, uh, so as you say, a form of mindfulness to relax, to basically focus on something other than the worries in your life or in the day, uh, like meditation, like yoga, a way to be in touch with your, your own body. And lastly, it could be practiced as a way. So my belief is that uh, any art can be used as a spiritual path. If you pursue it with passion and with uh, a deep understanding. And Tai Chi, because it requires a lot of dedication, requires a refinement over time, it's best viewed as a journey as opposed to a destination. There are some people who say, okay, I want to do Tai Chi. I'll spend a year on it, check it off my list. <laughs> right? And there are a lot of other people who treat it as a path, a journey. And that's the way I want to teach it to my, my students. Because uh, regardless of how long you've been practicing, you can always be better. You can always improve. You can always perfect your form. And then if you look deeply at the lessons that uh, Tai Chi has given you and any martial training has given you, uh, it can be applied to other parts of your life as well. Well, that's all the questions that I have Great. for you. <laughs> Maybe we can do this again about some other form of Kung Fu after sure. you've caught up with Star Trek Discovery <laughs> and watched all of Michelle Yeoh's fight oh. scenes. <laughs> oh, yeah, my pet peeve, right? So how does Michelle Yeoh lose to one Klingon? <laughs> that's not possible. <laughs> right? So Michelle Yeoh, uh, I've, I watched her in so many... Uh, martial arts films uh, with Jackie Chan and uh, yeah, she played Wing Chun and uh, yeah, she, she's a great actress and she's a great athlete and just having that knowledge it doesn't make sense that she loses to one Klingon <laughs> maybe to a phaser <laughs> <laughs> well yes <laughs> but like I said you have to watch on okay she comes back <laughs> <laughs> Okay, maybe I'll get to it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that was fun. Thanks, Dad. Thank you, Michael. (laughs) That was my dad, Ray Wong, on the history, principles, and purpose of Tai Chi and its astonishing similarities to the Klingon martial art Mokbara. I love how Ray spoke of Tai Chi as a journey, as a way, It reminds me of the title of one of the most amazing Worf episodes out there, The Way of the Warrior. Although Tai Chi and Makbara are martial arts with external usages, they also seem to be just as much about knowing your own self, staying grounded and true. And few characters in Star Trek are as genuine as Worf. 
and few people in my life are as true to themselves as Dad. Before we go, I want to remind you that you can submit your Q&A questions for the 100th episode of Strange New Worlds to me by tweeting me at MikeY or emailing MikeY at uw.edu. That's M-I-Q-U-A-I at uw.edu. Please, everyone, stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll see you out there. Thank you.